Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Hallelujah. All right. Praise the name of Jesus. Are you happy and excited to be in God's presence? Let's show it. Let's show it. Let's show it. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming this morning. What a wonderful time in God's presence. What a wonderful time to just give God the worship, the honor that he deserves. And we praise God for that. Amen. Before I go today, I have a very important information to share about, uh, you know, the future of our church, something very exciting that I'm going to be presenting that God is doing. I want you to say God is doing a new thing, and I want to be part of it. Amen. Some people were quiet on the last one. All right. Let me know about it first so I can decide whether I want to be part of it. But anything God is doing you want to be part of it. So I have a, uh, I'm going to be unveiling something that is very important that our church is going to embark on by God's grace. Our church is starting a school of ministry and leadership. Amen. Uh, this year, we're going to be kicking that off, and we're going to be unveiling it and, and, uh, you know, step by step. So today I want to introduce to you a major component of the School of Ministry. But before I do that, I want to talk about the concept of ordered learning, something that is missing in the body of Christ today. Ordered learning is the missing link in today's Christianity. And what do I mean by that? Ordered learning is how strong believers have been raised throughout the years. Uh, in the scripture, the concept of ordered learning, you know, is the way strong believers are raised, believers with conviction, believers with knowledge, deliver, believers that can stand the test of time. Uh, and I'm going to explain to you a little bit what someone said, Edward Farley, professor of emeritus, is actually late, by the way, at Vanderbilt University, says, Other learning is the orientation of the soul for the purpose of acquiring wisdom, which every believer needs regardless of their position in life. You know, that is really theological education, knowing the word, knowing the Bible in an ordered manner, knowing it precept by precept, not just piecemeal, not a little here, a little, you know, knowing it in its entirety. This is how the church was formed. Acts chapter 2, 42 says they devoted themselves, the early disciples, daily actually to the apostles' teaching. There is something called the apostles' teaching. It's body of work produced by the apostles to inform the church. In Acts chapter 19, Paul took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture of all of Tyrannus. If you also go to Acts chapter 15, you will see that 
he taught them for a whole year. So ordered learning is really serious study of the word in an ordered manner, not afasad. All right? Very, very important. Today, unfortunately, ordered learning has been replaced with shallow materials, shallow messages that are just individualistic and need-driven, something based on our needs. Other learning has been, has been replaced with learning that requires very little thinking and very little demand placed on the learners. So that's why we're really starting a school where people will really, will really, really want to understand what their faith is about, what is the, you know, what are even the historical concept between, uh, or behind some of the scriptures that we read. They want to really be informed you know, about the rudiment of faith in an orderly way. Amen. And that's what we are introducing by the, uh, by the grace of God. Now, this has been replaced. This is done. Very little believers do this today. A uh, few people maybe go to seminaries to do it, but that's not really the will of God. For if you want to know God, you look, go to seminary. And the rest of us, we are illiterate. What is the consequence of lack of other learning in the body of Christ? Number one, the vast majority of believers today, they are unexposed to Christian learning. We are unexposed to historical, critical study of the Bible. We are unexposed to the content and the structure of the great doctrines that are in the associated with our faith. Many people, majority, I would say 90, 95% of believers today fall into this category unexposed to serious Christian learning, unexposed to historical studies of the Bible. You know, they know a few scriptures here and there, but they cannot put them together in an organized, orderly way. Today, we see a lot of successful Christian bankers, lawyers, nurses, physicians, scientists, accountants, engineers, managers of all sorts, people who carry out all kinds of complicated tasks, difficult jobs in their work, but they remain at an elementary level in their Bible understanding, in their religious understanding. So it is not because there's lack of intelligence. It is not because these people aren't smart, many of us, but an average believer today, when you want to really quantify their knowledge of faith, their knowledge of Christian doctrine, their knowledge of the Bible, it is really at an elementary school level that we are going to change. Amen. <laughs> Unfortunately, in today's church, one can attend, even teach Sunday school, you know, for decades and lack and still lack what is called interpretive skills of someone who has taken three or four weeks in an introductory course in the Bible at a university or seminar or seminary. So we are going to really want to tackle this. We believe this is one of the things God has called our church for, to be a disciple-making center. All right? So the average believer today, worldwide, is in serious need of ordered learning, which is a key pillar of discipleship. And that is why... By God's grace, we are going to be we are introducing the Agape School of Discipleship. 
Amen. Right? The Agape School of Discipleship is going to be under the umbrella of Agape School of Ministry and Leadership. All right? Uh, This is going to unveil very soon fully where we're going to be able to order courses that are in in different things as God leads us. Uh, We're also, we'll be able to offer accredited courses. Uh, You know, as time goes on, we're working on that. You know, and one of what we're going to be doing is the school of discipleship. What is our school of discipleship? It is a one-year Bible course. It's 48 weeks, you know, so technically 11 months, but, you know, spread over one year in an ordered learning environment designed for any believer who desire to pursue God's wisdom and biblical thinking through serious study of the Bible and the way of the apostles, all right? Any believer that falls into that category, you want to acquire, because the goal of theology is wisdom, is learning the wisdom of God, you know, is learning the ways of God, you know, so it's very, very important. Any believer that wants to do that, if you've ever desired to say, I really want to understand the Bible, I want to say Ephesians, why was it written, who wrote it? You know, when was it written? What is the story behind it? I want to say, Romans, what is the context of this? You you've really desire this. You are going to be a good candidate for this. All right? Now, so it's going to be for 48 weeks. Uh, this course, this school of discipleship, at the end of it, you're going to get a certificate from the Agape uh, School of Ministry and Leadership. All right, of completion. And, you know, you can go on to do many things. Now, what will it involve, all right? What is the level of involvement to actually study this? Number one, you're going to commit to 48 weeks, once a week, one hour, so it's not every day. You know, it's going to be done via Zoom, so you're going to be able to do it from your house. Thank God for technology. Uh, You are going to make commitment to study some materials that will be provided for you. All right? And you're going to be willing weekly to engage in robust discussion about the material. Uh, at the end of 48 weeks, you will cover a significant portion of the New Testament, uh, Book of Acts, the epistles, the historical context behind them. You will have discussed it with your other group. You know, you will have heard other people's perspective, and you will be really, really, you know, ready to, you know, contend for the faith. Amen. Uh, there are 12 books that we're going to study, that, we're gonna, that, are gonna be, that are going to form part of it, all right? They are called the first principles, you know, so this will be part of, uh, you know, the course. Now, what is the cost of this course? If I want to register, it is not $5,000. You should be happy about that. See? It's not even $1,000. Right? A whole year course is not even $1,000. It is going to be $500. All right? Over a period of one year. For an adult, it's going to be $500. If you're 21 and under, it's going to be $250. So we're going to make it easy for our young people. If you're 21 and under, it's going to be only $250 or, or just $500 for an adult over a period of one year. Amen. 
Now, but we are doing something special because this is the first time we're doing this. We're going to give what is called the inaugural student discount. All right? Because people taking this, you're doing it for the first time. You're giving us a chance. Of course, you know it's going to be good. Pastor Gide is not going to be associated with something that is not great. You know that, right? You know it's going to be great. It's going to be deep. You're going to learn a lot. But to encourage people who are going to sign up for the first time, we're going to make it $300 for an adult. And we're going to make it $150 for someone that is age 21 and below. Now, because this is ordered learning, this is not AFASA, this is not, uh, you know, people must register, right? And we must limit the number of registrations. So we are going to limit this first badge to only 30 people, all right? Only 30 people. Uh, so, you know, so, so I want you to just to know that, all right? The course already includes the books, by the way, all right? So you're mainly really paying for the book, the material. You're going to get 12 books, all right? Just imagine, even if each book is $15, that's already whatever. That's, how, that's already how much, you know, almost $200 for the book alone. So you're going to get 12 books that we're going to study, you know, that, you know, together, you know, as, uh, you know, as a team, all right? So only limited to 30 people, just 30. And how do I register? We already put a registration link on the website, all right? Uh, if you go to the website on the main page, you should be able to see uh, information there to register. Now, it's $300 for an adult, is 150 for, uh, I won't say children, but anyone, uh, you know, college level, under college level, and children, all right? Uh, so, you, we're also going to make it easy for you to pay. If you're not able to pay $300 at once, you can spread it over six months, $50 a month. Uh, so, is for anyone younger, you can spread it over a period of six months, $25 is is 150 over a period of six months, so to make it very easy. We're gonna start this by the end of this month, all right? We're gonna start this quick because we wanna complete this this year and graduate our first set of students from the School of Discipleship, amen? So if you wanna be part of the first student, history-making first group of people, you should sign up very, very quickly. Now, if you want more information, there's a lot that's very, there's limited information that can be shared in this time. Uh, there could be questions. Uh, just email me. My email address is there. I'll be able to provide you with more uh, information. Pastor GD at agapehousenj.org. For those of you watching from anywhere, you can take this course from anywhere. You can be in Berlin, Germany, all right? And you can be in, uh, in uh, Nairobi, Kenya and you will be taking the class, all right? So it's gonna be very, very exciting. I look forward to what God is gonna do through this. It's gonna be an exciting time in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you blessed by that? Are you as excited as I am? Wow, I didn't hear that. Are you as excited as I am? Okay, okay, that's good. So we are going into a, a great, wonderful territory that God is planting us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. 
It can go to the deepest part of our hearts. So we're asking that you speak. Lord, I submit and release myself to you. Speak through me. Anoint me. Make my tongue like that of a ready writer. Let me speak life. The Bible says it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Lord, let the words that I speak, let them be spirit. Let them be life. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Today I'm going to do part three of the message, uh, the blessed life. The secret of walking in God's blessing. The blessed life. And I'm going to talk about what I call becoming blessing conscious. Becoming blessing conscious. Uh, this is a very, very important thing uh, for any believer. Walking in blessing is not necessarily, you know, uh, difficult. Uh, it just takes understanding how God works. Uh, understanding the way of God, how God works, is critical to experiencing what God has already provided for us. One thing about blessing that every believer must know is we're already blessed. I wanted to say, I am already blessed. I am blessed. God pre-qualified me for blessing. Oh my God, people are so weak today. What's going on? I thought I was tired. I mean, you know, I'm not. I'm on fire, but my congregation is tired today. What happened? Maybe you took my own tiredness. What happened? I wanted to say, I am blessed. I am pre-qualified for blessing. Uh-huh. Through Christ Jesus, I am pre-qualified for blessing. You know, that might sound like a cliche, but it is really a powerful spiritual truth that every believer must walk with and we must walk consciousness, in consciousness of it. It's a lack of consciousness of it robs us a lot of ways from what God has blessed us with. We must walk in consciousness of who we have and what we have. You know, I think in the book of Proverbs, he said, there's an error that I've seen on the surface of the earth. I see a king or a priest, you know, just living and working like a servant. You know, so that could be an error. We are kings and priests. And sometimes we walk around as if we're not. A victor can walk around as if they are victims. Victorious people can walk around as if they are defeated people simply because they don't know. You see, walking in consciousness of what God has done for you, has called for you, is actually what faith is all about. You see, faith is what is your consciousness. What are you attuned to? What are you, what, what are you attentive to? What are you reacting to? You see, as you go through life, there's going to be a lot of opportunity to react to things that are not from God, to react to your environment. And that's why in Romans, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, sight is what you see, what is around you. A lot of times what you see, what is around you, what is even more tangible and real to you, right? They are not of God, all right? They are not what God has said concerning you. They are not what God is doing. In fact, around you, sometimes what is the loudest are not what is the godliest, right? You know, a lot of times God 
works in such a manner. It takes people who have faith to see what God is doing, to see that God can, you know, God can raise dead, the dead, to see that God can bring life to a dead marriage, and to see that God can walk through, you know, God is walking through impossible situations. Sometimes it takes faith to perceive what God is doing. And that's why a believer who will walk in God's blessing must learn to walk by faith. Praise the name of Jesus. So it is important to walk in consciousness of what God has done. Last week, you know, we concluded by reading Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Not that he will bless us. So believers don't go after blessing. They don't seek blessing. They don't pursue blessing because they are already blessed. All right? Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. First of all, the blessing comes through Christ. The blessing does not come through me, through anything I've done or haven't done. The blessings are spiritual, obviously, so they require some set of spiritual principles, spiritual eye, to be able to see them, to be able to receive them, to be able to understand them and grasp them, right? So it's very important to know that we are blessed. Galatians 3 talks about us being blessed, you know, you know, with the blessing of Abraham. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by, you know, be, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who hung on the pole. So anyone who is hung on the tree is cursed. So Jesus was hung on the tree, that is, was hung on the cross. He, he was cursed. He was cursed even though he did not commit any sin. So he took the curse that belonged to us. So we can take the blessing. He redeemed us in order that the blessing which was given to Abraham might come to us who are Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Now, so that by faith we might receive the promise. So we receive it by faith. Faith becomes the instrument through which we, we possess it. Faith becomes the instrument through which we actually grab it. Faith, it becomes our going to the bank to withdraw our money. You know, you can have a lot of money in the bank. You know, if you don't, if you are too lazy to go cash it, you know, you've lost your ATM. The money is good, but you need to be able to withdraw it. Now, the ATM of heaven is our faith, right? Faith is what we use to withdraw the blessing that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32 for those of us who still have a little bit of doubt, the Bible says, He who did not spare his son, but gave him up all for us. So God did not spare his son, Jesus Christ, but gave him up for us. How will he not also, or in addition to that, right, along with him, graciously give us all things? That's a very, that's a food for thought, Right? If he gave you Jesus, so why do you think he can give you a husband? Why do you think he can give you a job? Why do you think he can give you a car? Why do you think he can give you a business? Why do you think he can restore your marriage? Why do you think he can give you what you need to fulfill your dream and purpose, the assignment for your life? He already gave you 
what is the, um, the biggest gift of all. Hallelujah. He gave you the biggest gift. He gave you a son. How? How will he not also along with him freely give us all things? Praise the name of Jesus. You know, human beings can do funny things. You bring people to live in your house, then you starve them. Right? You starve them. I mean, that's, that, that, that's weird to say, you know, you already give them the biggest gift. Come live in my house. Then you measure the bread and just say, the bread stop here. Who ate the bread? This bread reduced by three inches. You're going to say, what is wrong with you? I mean, this person has issues. I mean, I'm already living in your house. What is the cost of bread that you're really? So God is not that kind of a God. <clears throat> I remember someone who, you know, who took a plane, uh, took an international flight years ago for the first time, you know, and he, you know, he got into the plane and he got there, he sat down and the waitress came and they asked, what is, you know, what are you going to eat? And he said, no, I don't want to eat anything. Now, because he thought he had to pay for it, and he didn't have anything. You know, he, was, he used his last, the last penny to buy the ticket, and he was flying, and they kept coming, you know, you know, they kept giving everybody food. They kept coming to him, and he kept saying, oh, no, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. So he took, you know, hours and hours of flight, went very, very hungry, and got to the other side and told his friend, you know, I was so hungry, but I didn't have any money to buy any food. Each time they are coming with all these delicacies, food, and I, just telling them, I was just telling them, no, because I, I don't want to be in trouble. And the person said, no, you already paid for it. <laughs> and he's like, really? Yes. When you bought the ticket, you bought the food. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes we are like that. We don't know God already paid for it. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God already paid for it. If you don't have your neighbor, just turn to yourself. Just say, God already paid for it. Hallelujah. God paid for it. Paid for it. So we are blessed. Now we receive the blessing by faith. It's very, very important. But today I also want to talk about two systems that really affect whether we walk in blessing or, or not. The first is called the system of blessing. It's a system God, you know, when I use the word system, system is something that happens by itself or law. It's called a system of blessing. In Genesis, and I'm gonna, we're going to see this in Genesis, one in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1, we see that God blessed them, verse 28. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, this is man now, God is speaking to man. He said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky and over every living creature that moves in the ground. I mean, God put a blessing over the man that he created. So what God did here is put a system of blessing because God spoke it once and it continues to today, right? Being fruitful. You know that we're going to keep growing. I mean, the last, just maybe 10 years ago, we used to say, oh, 6 billion people on earth. 6 billion people on earth. 
Now we've changed it to 7 billion people. Now there are now 7 billion people. In another 20 years or so, it's going to be 8 billion. All right? 8 billion. Why is that happening? Because of what God said here. God said he blessed them. He put a system of blessing in place. And he said, be fruitful. And God also said, take dominion. That means man will continue to take dominion. I mean, that's God put an ability in man to conquer anything. Look at how we conquer the sea. We can now travel to the sea effortlessly. I mean, we can even go and have fun on the sea. And we call that cruising, right? How many, how many people have been on a cruise? I mean, that was unthinkable by some people. I mean, when, you know, hundreds of years ago, when people go on a ship, they didn't know they were going to make it. It's like you have to say your prayer. You know, you have to, you know, confess all your sins, you know, and make sure the priest come before you get on a ship. It could be six months just being taught, turn and trust, you know, going all around and just hoping you're going to land on the other side. Just a few hundred years ago. Now, we just want to have fun. Oh, my God, I love cruises. Oh, my cruises are just, you know, you're on the cruise, you're eating, you're playing basketball. You know, you're watching movies, you're doing karaoke. I mean, you're doing all kinds of things. You forget that you're on a cruise. God, like, you know why? Because God put the ability in man to conquer these things. You conquered the hair, invented a plane. Now we fly. Can you imagine? We can fly six hours, seven hours, and we're in Europe, all across the ocean, just in hours. Zoom. I mean, how... Did people conceive even the possibility of that? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what is behind the construction of bridges? Have you ever driven through George Washington Bridge and you're like, somebody even thought of it? I mean, how crazy for someone to even think we can create a bridge and trucks will be able to go over them and we will not be afraid that it's going to fall. And it's, so to let you know that all those things I'm talking about, they are fulfillment of Genesis 1.28. God set in motion a system of blessing upon man that says be fruitful, increase in number, and the world is always going to increase in number. Some people are afraid we're increasing in number. They want to figure out how to kill some people. So, so that is flying over some people. Some people are so busy about how to reduce the population of the world, that's because they have no understanding. You can't. We are going to, God set a system in motion. Now, when sin enters into the world, and this is important, listen to this, God also set a system of curses. In Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters, sin attracts a system of curse. So look at what happened in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all wild animals. That is, it's going to, your case will be worse. You will crawl on your belly. Serpent must crawl. And you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. It will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's why I don't understand having a snake as a pet. I mean, that's, <laughs> if you understand this, you don't, you don't get a, a snake pet. Something is wrong there. You know, so there's, 
you know, this is more than snake, but snake is involved because the serpent, and, you know, uh, the serpent gave the devil a home and attracted a curse. And I will put a minute between, you know, let me move on to verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. And with painful labor, you will give birth to children. Can you imagine that? That was was not supposed to happen. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from tree, the tree about which I commanded you, you must eat from it. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So we were not even supposed to toil. I mean, there will, there will be no need to toil. I mean, these things will just grow. You know, now it's going to be true painful toil. All right? It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Have you noticed that weeds just grow by themselves? They don't even need fertilizer, right? You have to fertilize what you grow, but weeds will still be competing with what you grow. Have you noticed that? That's a fulfillment of a curse. Weeds are always, you know, stronger. They require nothing. They just come out. You're trying to grow a tomato that requires a lot of work. You have to put stick. You have to make sure they are doing, I mean, you have to put all the work. You have to water it. If you forget to water it for three days, it dies. But things you didn't plant, oh, my God, they are crawling through all your house. I mean, you're like, what is, what is going on here? This is the fulfillment of a curse. Isn't that amazing? Unbelievable. And he said, cause is the ground because of you. It's a too painful toy. You will eat. It will produce thorns and tissues for you, and you will eat the plant of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, from dust you will return. Now, so there are two systems. The good thing is, the interesting thing is, one did not really cancel each other. God did not cancel the system of blessing because we're still blessed, right? We still continue to increase, right? We still continue to rule and dominate. But the system of curse is still there and is occurring and is going on simultaneously. Now enter the law of faith or what is called a system of faith. You see, the system of faith is the system or is the law by which we get to determine what we enjoy, all right? We get to determine what we experience. And it's very, very important to understand that faith is very critical to the law under which we operate. You can Operate under the law of blessing, or you can operate under the law of curse. Look at what Romans chapter 3 says, verse 25 to 27. Whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, which is Jesus Christ. God set him as a propitiation through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. God had passed over, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So someone who has faith in Jesus Christ, God justifies them, all right? 
you know, even when the enemy wants to nail you, you know, when the law, because there's a law of curse, wants to come after you, he says, you know, God can justify you by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 27 says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, it is by the law of faith. So the law of faith becomes what we operate in as believers, and that is why living by faith is very, very essential. You will not be able to enjoy God's blessing, experience his blessings, unless you understand, you learn how to walk by faith. Now, walking by sight is easier because you are only responding to what is going on around you. Walking by sight means you walk by what you see, what is going on around you. You know, you allow the pandemic, you allow, you know, your disappointment, the no's that they tell you when you apply, you know, for jobs to really affect how you see yourself, you know, your future, how you, how you respond, how you live, you, you know, you allow those rejection letters, you allow what people say, you allow what the media say about you, you know, you are overweight or you are this, you are not this size so that you, so nothing can happen to you, oh, you are not this skin color so you can't get there, oh, no, people like you can't do this, you know, all these things that just keep coming at you, you allow that to determine your expectation in life. And there's so many of us that we've allowed, we've limited our expectation in life by what we see around us. We walk by faith and not by sight. By faith means I'm able to see what God is doing. I see what God says about me, right? I see what God says about me. And to me, that's the most important thing. It doesn't really matter what any other person says. It's irrelevant. I don't give it credit. I don't give it weight. As far as I'm concerned, it is their opinion. And everybody is entitled to their opinion. Oftentimes, we react by these things. We react by, that doesn't mean they are not real, by the way. It just means they are not the controlling force over my life. That doesn't mean problems aren't real. Faith is not the denier of, pro, denier of problems. That doesn't mean challenges aren't real. Faith is not denying challenges. Faith is not accepting them as the controlling factor over my life. They don't determine the outcome. They don't determine where I get to. Your nose, your rejection does not determine my future. I have someone bigger, better who determines my future. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. And that's the person I respond to now. And I see that the problem with faith is it requires another set of eye. Right? It doesn't, it requires another set of eye, the eye of the spirit. It requires me being able to see, you know, that God is moving even in the midst of chaos. That God is moving even when it looks like he's not moving. Even when I don't see it, right? He's walking. He never stops. He never stops walking. Even when I don't see it, he's walking. It, that's very important. That should not just be a song. For many of us, we get excited when we sing it. But when we're out and about, we can apply them. God is working even when you don't see it. 
God is working. God is working. God is doing something. It takes an eye of faith. That's why we walk by faith, not by sight. I, you know, I am not stimulated, right? My stimulus is not those things. What is stimulating me is God's plan and God's ideas and God's thought for me. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So it is important to operate by the law of faith. You see, the law of sight limits me. It limits me and it forces me into the law of curses. Because that's the natural law. Curse is the natural law. I toil. Life is hard. Things are difficult. Things don't work out. You know, there's just every reason why they won't work. You know, that is the natural law. The natural law limits you. It limits you. You know, this is what is only going to happen to this. This is only what is going to happen to you. That's the natural law. But in the spirit, it's a different law entirely. It's different. It's different. God controls that. Now, when I'm hooked up to that, life is different for me. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So as believers, our attitude must be different. Our attitude to problems must be different. You know, because problems that can crush other people will not crush us as believers. Situations that will just derail other people won't derail me because I am not responding to them. I am responding to God. You can find yourself in the worst situation that the enemy can throw at you and still see God at work. Have you read the book of Psalms? Sometimes I read the book of Psalms, I'm like, man, this guy must be crazy by the standard of others. I mean, the guy can see God in anything, right? And that's a prayer that one I pray that God, let me be able to see you in everything. Now, some of the things David is writing about, they are not politically correct. You know, they're not. I mean, the guy sees storm and he said, God, I see God moving in a storm, right? It's, it's like, I mean, the guy can see God in storm. He see God in things, in, you know, I mean, in turbulence. He sees the beauty of God. What is, you know, can you imagine there's hurricane? You see that, you know, and you see people showing this on TV, hurricane Maria or whatever it is, you know, is coming, is coming towards us. You see that and they're like, oh my God, what a beauty. What is God? And people are like, are you kidding me? Now, what the Lord helps me to see about David is he has just an amazing ability to see God. In everything, even problem in his life, he's able to see God. And that's why he was a man after God's heart. Now, if you learn to see God that way, it might be crazy to people around you. You're going to experience God more because God responds to faith. So God responds to people who can see him walking, even when other people don't see him. God responds to people who can recognize his work. You know, God responds to that. So I pray that God will give us the ability to see him when he's moving. To see him because he's always moving. Praise the name of Jesus. The law of curses might be occurring around us because all those destructions, famine, uh, economic problems, pandemic, that, those are law of curses. Disappointment, that is the law of curses working on, right? 
Job loss, that's the law of curses. Marriage breakup, that's law of curses, right? Sickness, that's law of curses. You know, but I can respond to the law of blessing through Jesus Christ. I can respond to the law of blessing. I can, obey, I can still obey the law of blessing. I can still hook up because it is by faith. And that is very, very important for you as a believer to learn. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to give you three things about faith that is going to help you. Number one, faith is walking, is walking in consciousness of what God has done or what God is doing. Right? That is faith. And I think I've been explaining that already. Second Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by faith and not by sight. In Romans chapter 4, we learn about Abraham who will not respond to the natural problems that they have, right? You know, by faith. That's what Abraham did. God told him, I've made you father of many nations. You know, in the presence of him, who he believed God who gives life to the dead and cause those things we do not, who do not exist as though they did. Verse 18 says, who contrary to hope, in, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. Abraham became father of many nations by responding to God, not by responding to his natural situation. He responded to God. Verse 19 says, not being weak in faith, he did not, I want you to notice that. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was, about, he was about 100 years old. So if he considered that, he would not be able to believe God, right? He did not consider that. That's amazing. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, since he was about, I mean, but, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, brother, he did not waver at the promise of God, verse 20, through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Faith strengthened him. Faith causes him to live above and beyond. I mean, you can look at the mountain of death in front of you and see God working. How will people know you serve a God who can erase the debt and who can turn a debtor into a lender unless there's a mountain of death ahead of you? You can look at any situation and see God. So Abraham was strengthened by the fact that God spoke to him. Now, I am dead myself because I'm 100 years old. My, my wife's womb is dead because he's, you know, 80, 75 years old, you know. So, but, you know, but God can do anything. Let me respond to God. Let me be strengthened. Let me live above this by responding to what God says. I still have a future. I still have a promise. I, you know, I, I will still be blessed. I will still declare the glory of God on the land of the living. I can still give glory to God. Praise the name of Jesus. Faith strengthens us and brings us out of the law of the curse. All right? That's what Abraham did. Amazing, amazing story. So he did not waver. You know, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So Abraham, in this presence of all this, he just gave glory to God. Did you see that? That's how he, he lived being conscious of what God is doing. Instead of allowing himself to be overwhelmed, right, 
by being so conscious of limitation. Many times we are so conscious of limitation. We are so conscious of the negatives. We are so conscious of, you know, the impossibility. And they overwhelm us, but we, so we are not able to respond in faith. We are not able to respond to the law of blessing. Abraham was giving glory to God in the middle of all that. I'm being fully convinced that what he promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted for him, to him for righteousness. I want you to read verse 23 very well. Actually, 23, 24. Now, it was not written, that is, this verse was not written, for his sake alone that he was imputed, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe him, who raise up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of justification. Now, this is not written so that Abraham can feel good. Abraham is gone. This is written so that we also can learn that when we respond to God, when we choose not to respond to what is going around us and respond to God, we get to experience him. Praise the name of Jesus. So your faith is what you are conscious of. Are you conscious of what God is doing? Or are you conscious of what the enemy is doing around you? Are you conscious of your limitation? Or are you conscious of God's no limitation? God knows no limit. God can do anything. God can cause anything to happen. You know, people can gang up against you and God can just remove all of them tomorrow. I mean, God, God can do all these things. I mean, it is when we just spend more time just meditating on what he is doing, what he can do, what he is capable of. God can touch people's hearts, you know, to favor you. God can raise people that will just say, I want to bless you. God can, you know, when we just meditate on it and walk in consciousness of it, we walk in blessing. That's how we experience blessing. That's how we determine whether we plug into the, you know, the power source of the curse or the power source of the blessing. Because we, you know, we are plugging into one of them. The natural one is the curses all around us. You know, life will be hard, things will be tough, things will be difficult. You know, you know, things will be, you know, this, everything is stacked up against you. No, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. You know, you're going to be deported. I mean, all these things are just going to, I mean, you have no, I mean, all these things are just saying, or you can plug into what God is saying. When you plug into what God is doing, then blessing begins to flow into your life. Praise the name of Jesus. Number two, number one that I said is consciousness. Number two is our speech is our faith. Faith is released through what we say. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 says, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. You see, faith speaks. Faith speaks. In fact, you speak what you believe. You speak what you believe. And many times people just speak things. But that's really because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know that's what the Bible says? Our speech is an overflow of our heart. You know? Now, when you, are, when you walk in conscious, you see, I've been talking about what occupies your mind. Is it what God is doing or is it what the word is doing around you? Now, when you are 
so pumped up with what God is doing, when you are so prepped up with what God is doing, pent up, right? Pent up, right? With what God is doing, it's going to spill over, right? In what you say. So you're going to say great things. It's going to work out. I live in God's economy. Therefore, there's always enough for me. I am a giver, not a hoarder. Right? You know, I, I, you know, God blesses me. I have favor. I am blessed. God will work out everything. It might be tough now, but it's because there's a greater future. When a door closes, it's because there are multiple doors that go on the open. But when a door closes, it's because it's too small of a door. There's a bigger door coming. When someone rejects me, it's because I, so I can say yes to a bigger acceptance. You see, what we say, how we inter- what we say is very important because when we are fed with what is around us, what do we say? We say those negative things. And f- what we say creates our word. The Bible says, by faith, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 1, actually, the Bible says, by faith, God framed the word by his own words. The word, the word that we see now was created by the words of God. Now, we can create the word, but we can create our own word. You know, you've created a word for yourself by what you say. Many of us have created so many problems. You've created marital problems by saying negative things concerning your husband, concerning your wife, concerning your children, concerning your church, concerning your business. You say, oh, this is not going to work. Oh, man. You know, oh, no, yeah, I knew this is not going to I, You know, all these things that we say, sometimes jokingly, but even in joke, you know what is that of the abundance of the heart. The heart speaks. So you need to fix what is in inside, inside of you so you can release because your word is a force. Your word is a force that creates your environment. Go, you know, in your, even in your, in your house, speak words. Speak positive words. Speak God's word, not just positive words. Of course, God's word. Speak what God is doing. Say, this house is blessed. This house is a house of blessing. This house is a house of favor. You know, when people come into this house, they are blessed. When people, I mean, say those things because that is really the truth. You can be saying things contrary to God and expect the, the difference, something different. Number f- three, faith must be in action. All right? Faith is in action. Because when you have faith, first of all, it is what you are conscious of. You speak it. Eventually, what happens? You act it. You see, our action is really a reflection of what we have been thinking. All right? What we have been thinking is what we do. That's our action. But when we have been meditating on faith, right, speaking faith, then action of faith will follow. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's why Abraham was able to act, do certain things out of faith. That's why he was able to respond to God. He was able to leave. He was able to obey God. You know, he was able to show his faith by his action. You know, many of the things we do, like giving. Giving is a, is a giving, for example, is, is, a, is an action of faith. It's an action of faith. It's an action that say, I believe God. That's why we do the confession. I believe God to provide for my needs. 
And I just recognize that by just giving this because it can, I can do more with 90% than 100%. That's it. That's an action. That's what you have been. Now, it's easier if you have been thinking that way. Now, if you're not thinking that way, it's so painful to do, right? Because it's just, you're just doing it. You're cursing people that, that ask you to do it. You are mad. You are just angry. You are irritable because you're doing it. So it's forgiving people is an, it's faith. You're saying, I know you hurt me. I release you because I know God will vindicate me, right? That's an action of faith. Many things that we don't even know are action of faith are action of faith. Action of faith. You forgive people, you release them, you, you know, as is an action of faith. Faith in action must follow faith in consciousness, faith in words, and faith in action. Praise the name of Jesus. Lastly, I'm going to talk about the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Because sometimes, obviously, the enemy is after your faith. Because faith is so important, the enemy is after your faith. The enemy wants to destroy your faith. And one of the ways he does that is to make sure we face situations that challenges our faith. All right? And that's why the Bible says we must carry a shield of faith. You know, Hebrews, I mean, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16 says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the enemy is always sending arrows to destroy your faith. And that's why you must take on the shield of faith. When you face disappointment, you must still figure out to really protect your faith while you are disappointed. All right? Because I've seen God does many incredible things. I've seen God really people missing some opportunity in life that looks like it is the best opportunity for them. They are disappointed. They cry. <laughs> but 10 years later, they are like, wow, I'm so glad that opportunity didn't, I, I didn't make it. Because where I am now, I wouldn't have been there. How many of us have had stories like that before? So that is why we must not allow any situation, no matter how damaging, to damage our faith. Because sometimes people face disappointment, then they, they begin to curse God, right? They begin to give up on God. They begin to say so many negative things. They begin to say, oh, my life is done. Now things are never going to happen. I'm never. No, 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 no. Never say that. Don't allow any situation, no matter how bad, how painful, to really steal your faith. Praise the name of Jesus. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him, right? And are called according to his divine purpose. See, you're called according to his divine purpose. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs as you go through life. There's going to be a lot of things you don't understand. But because you walk by faith, because you walk in consciousness, of what God is doing. You are able to really respond to God instead of to what is going on around you. Let's bow down our heads and pray. I want you to just tell him, say, God, I want to respond to you. Just help me, Holy Spirit, to be able to see you 
in everything that is around me. To be able to see you in the midst of chaos. To be able to connect to the law of blessing. <laughs> While the law of curses is just hovering around me. To be able to find that source. Find what you're doing and plugged into it. Father, just, take, just help me, Lord. I need you, Holy Spirit, to teach me how to do that. Help me to be able to see what you're doing in my life, around me, for me. Let me be able to see that you are for me and not against me. That you can cause things to work out together for good. For the, because you love me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I'd like to speak to someone that is here, whether you are here or you're watching. You've not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You're still responding to the law of curses. You find it very hard to respond to God. But you want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I would like to be able to become conscious of God. I would like to be able to see him and know him. If you're in this congregation and you're in their category, you can just stand up on your feet and stay where you are and I will pray for you. Just stand up. If you're watching, you can stand up anywhere you're watching. Just on your own. Well, all heights. Please close your eyes as I pray because I'm going to pray. If this is you, I want you to just stand on your feet and I will pray. Or wherever you are, I want you to stand on your feet. And I want you to, God bless you for standing. May God honor you for that. If there's any other person, please stand. And if you're watching me, you're online, I want you to stand wherever you are and just pray with me. I want you to say, Father, I thank you because you love me. And you gave your son, Jesus, for me so that I may have life, so that I may have a relationship with you. Today, I acknowledge that gift. And I confess, in fact, I say I'm sorry that it took me this long to recognize. And today, I declare that Jesus is my Lord. Jesus died for me. Jesus was buried. And on the third day, he rose so that I may be saved. Jesus, I welcome you into my life today. Father, Help me to be able to see you, to respond to you, to recognize you, to walk by faith in Jesus Christ and not by what is going on around me. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. So, Father, I bless these ones. They have made a very, very important decision. And that decision is just to welcome Jesus into their lives. And I, I commit them to you. I commend them to you. And I pray you will watch over their souls. I pray that you will just walk in them to will and to do of your good pleasure. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.